we believe life is precious. This is it. We've got one shot at this. It's on us to live life to the fullest, to maximize what we've been given and play the game of life at our full potential. Are you living up to your potential? Are you frustrated that despite your best intentions, you just can't seem to make the changes needed to take things to the next level so you can impact your career, relationships, and health? If this is hitting home, you're in the right place. Our mission is to open the door to the exceptional life by showing you how to play the game of life at a higher level. So you're playing at your full potential rather than at a fraction as most people do. We'll share the one thing that once we learned it, our lives were transformed. And once you learn it, watch what happens. Welcome to Think It Be It, the podcast. I'm Kelly Hatfield. Hey, and I'm John Mitchell. So Kelly, Here's our idea today that we should talk to, about. Let's talk about the art of listening. How's that sound? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Case in point. Case in point. <laughs> I had to do it. <laughs> yes, that was good. That's good. What'd you say? <laughs> so this. Let me let me set the stage for this. Perfect. So I interviewed the uh, athletic director for the University of Texas last week and part of my monthly or weekly program for the head coaches. And one of the things that came out of it is he was talking about the art of listening and and how important it is and how he has really strived to get better at it. And it was interesting because back in August – I had a series of masterminds with the different head coaches come over to my house and we'd sit out on the deck on the lake and I would have them share their their wisdom with each other. And, and one of the things, since the athletic director is their boss, they all had a thought or two about him and they would typically say he doesn't listen to them as much as he as they would like him to. And of course, I'm hearing this from both sides now, and I'm thinking, well, you know, as the athletic director, his job is to tell you this to that, that, you know, he's got an agenda, but I also see the power of, of listening. And, and I see that you're in exactly the same position that, that CDC is in, in that that's the athletic director, that, you know, you've got a team of people that you have to convey a message to, a consistent message to, yet you also have to listen. And I'm sort of curious, how do you balance the two? Yeah, and I, I think there's a, a fine balance, but I it really does start with listening. And I know people, if you're listening to these episodes, you've heard me say it once and I'm going to say or more than once and I'm going to say it again. But that seeking first to understand, you know, and if you've got challenges in your business, if you've got, um, if you're trying to persuade or influence your team to move in a certain direction, you need to understand their perspective and you need to understand all of the moving parts. I think one of the mistakes often that leaders make is they get up into this leadership role and they get so disconnected mm -hmm. with what's happening in the day-to-day -day and kind of like boots on the ground that maybe your idea sounds in a perfect world, 
it's a great idea. But when you get down to the practicality of whether it's that's something that can really be implemented within the organization effectively, you find out that if you're talking, you know, if you're listening to your people and you're asking the right questions, you start to uncover where maybe some of the the hitches in that plan might be, you know, and so I think it is a very fine balance between, okay, I want the team to move in a certain direction, but I also need to understand like all of the moving parts and make sure that the direction I'm moving the team in is, is, you know, makes sense, is feasible, and that I can get them excited about it. So understanding their perspective and where they're coming from is the first place really to start. And that's where, again, you know, I'll say this again too, as a leader, the importance of your people, your team feeling seen and heard mm-hmm. is, I mean, makes all of the difference in the world. You know, when you really look at your bottom line, I mean, it affects everything. It affects your ability to retain your staff. It affects right. your ability to to engage your team and to, you know, really get them continuing to advance within the organization. I mean, there's so many pieces to it there. So I'll quit talking now, but I I know that was a really long answer to your question. Well, you know, you laid a, a great truth bomb on us, I think, uh, this idea that you had to make your employees feel seen and heard. And I relate that back to my good friend that I went to high school with who was the uh, CEO of Chili's and had like uh, 120,000 people working for him. And he had sort of that same core philosophy in, in that he felt like it was his boss's job to know every single person, know what their personal interests were, take an interest in in their personal interests. You know, if they were a cowboy fan, then then you know, ask them about the cowboys. If they, you know, whatever it was, just know what what their interest is. And and it, it goes back to what you said. You know, seek to understand before seeking to to be understood. So you gotta you gotta make them feel like they matter to you, that you know them, and that has to happen before whatever message you're gonna try and deliver to them can happen, right? Right. Well, it's the think about your influence or persuasion. So much of leadership, like if I were to distill leadership down to one word, it would be influence. Yeah. That's what you're doing. You're you are you're leading, you're influencing a group of people toward, you know, an aim. Right. And you know, and so I think that it, you can do that. You can influence and persuade so much better when you understand all of the moving parts and what makes somebody tick. And right. you know, and, and so I think that's the important and you know, also too, I mean, I don't know, I think these are people. You know what I mean? Like people. <laughs> so yeah, I just that listening, the ability to listen, I think is one of the most important traits that a, a leader needs to possess. Is it because it's that important to understand and to be able to do to influence and to persuade. How can you do that if you don't have a full picture of you know the scenario or the situation or really have a clear understanding of the psychology of your team and kind of what's going to help move things forward. Right, right. You know, it's interesting when I was talking to the athletic director last week, you know, for everybody that's not close to the University of Texas, we have a school song 
the eyes of Texas. And a couple of years ago, there was a big uproar over it because this is back in the Black Lives Matter thing and, and you know, all that a couple of years ago. The school song became came under fire because back in the 30s or 20s, probably the 1920s, it was performed in blackface. Nothing sort of racist in the words themselves, but it was performed in blackface. And so that caused a big uproar. And, you know, the alumni was all bent out of shape because the teams didn't want to sing it, you know, Mm -hmm. the athletes. So it was a big thing. And we thought it was all past. And and it's still, there's some of it still today. But he was, the athletic director was saying that he really, it made him step back and really listen. What are they saying? What are they really saying? And I, I think that the lesson is that we live in a, a society where we're moving so fast that we're losing some of the basics to step back and really listen to people, what are they saying to me? What are they really saying? What's their emotion that's coming from what they're saying? And I'm curious, how do you how do you listen to your team? I, I know you probably consciously do it, probably in your visualization. I have. I've trained myself to do it because I had to override, you know, that subconscious. But right. here's what it is. And I'll use the example of a team meeting we had. We have a, a monthly level 10 meeting with our team and we were talking about goals and knowing your numbers and those kinds of things. And there were a lot of excuses being made, you know, and so listening to those and asking additional questions. So you just mentioned that you, you know, like whatever the particular scenario was. So help me understand better, you know, why you feel like that set you off course for Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm using it too as an opportunity to coach and for, and to, for them to think through what, it, because oftentimes, you know, I'll, I'll, a lot of the time too, I'll say, is that true? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, when you really think about that, is that true? Mm-hmm. You know, or could that be maybe a story you're telling yourself about, you know? That's um, powerful. Yeah. I think that for me, I do that by asking again, it's seeking first to understand. I'll, I'll be like something will typically what happens is I'll, I will physiologically like excuses drive me nuts mm-hmm. and lack of accountability. Yeah. So when I hear in a conversation that pop up, my physiology, like it's like, ooh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Right. That's a cue for me. And I've trained myself that when that happens, because it was easy for me in the past to be able to just go in hard on something like that. But to pull back, to to train myself through this methodology, to start asking questions and get them to get there, not through me telling them and doing what I normally would have done was it would have go was go hard at it, right? For them to get there on their own. And right. then now they've bought into the process and to the so- potential solution to the situation. And it gets them thinking and going, huh, versus mm-hmm. me trying to shove it down their throats you know, in a way. And so I think that's, I'm not sure I answered your question, but really it is, I feel it in my body. And then I begin to ask the questions that pull out and take them on a path to, you know, to, to either solving the situation or seeing it on their own without me pointing it out to them because they're verbalizing it and going, Oh, 
you know, once right. I say that out loud, that actually really isn't a great excuse. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, I think the beauty of what you do is you make them think. Yeah. As opposed to telling them, you're making them think and, and come to, to the conclusion you want them to, to come to without you telling them. Yeah. Uh, which is really hard to do. You know, like you say, it's built around questions. Questions make them think. And, you know, I think it it, it probably is pertains to the same thing you and I were talking to before we started recording about this idea of you or I might get in front of an, a bunch of entrepreneurs and talk about, uh, you know, mindset. And, and, you know, I was telling you that, that, you know, I've evolved to saying to people today um, that your success in life and your enjoyment of life comes down to the quality of your thoughts that are going on in your head on an ongoing basis. And, you know, everybody will agree to that and say that's true. Yet on the flip side, I found that only 2% of people do anything to impact their mindset. Even really sharp people, I find yeah. this to be true. And I, I see that dichotomy. And I'm just sort of curious, how do you take what we're talking about in terms of, uh, well, maybe answer my own question. So when I lay that out there, I go, think about what you want to accomplish. What, what is it you want to accomplish? And so I get them going on that. And then I go, well, let's look at your morning routine. Is is that serving you or not? You know, and but but even even that approach, I think, does make them think. But you know, are they really going to do anything about it? That's sort of the the challenge. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's what we talk about where you need to have a system yeah. where you can consistently. So here's how we do it. So I do this, it's called a, a one-year look back. And basically what it is, is I ask the team member to pretend like it's a year from now. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting down and we're having a conversation and you're telling me about all of the great things that you accomplished this year and all of the right. goals you hit and all the things that you did. And, you know, um, and so we go through, basically in essence, they're starting to build go- a goal in reverse Right. And so then we kind of narrow it down and I'm like, well, why would having these things be important to you? You know, so we do that. And then we talk about what skills do you need to develop? Do you need for that to become a reality? You know, um, and so then we build their personal development and their growth plan over the skill sets that they're going to need to achieve the the goals that they set for themselves. Right. So so there's a real system, you know, system systematic approach to it. It's part of our culture, a hire for a growth mindset. And but that's how we nurture it within our culture is by doing that. And so that's the key. You've got to have a you got to have a system or right, life exactly. or life happens. You know, like yeah, I know. You know 10 you, years go by and you haven't read a book, you know. <laughs> right. Right, right. Well, you know that and you know that's a perfect example because I know you got that from something that you and I both were aware of a few years ago. I forget where it came from, but it was brilliant. Remember? Do you remember where it came from? I I think it's Was it Russell Brunson? Well, I know Dean Graziosi does something, and I know the two of them are connected. I think I've taken little bits and pieces from different influencers and 
you know, and leadership experts and, you know, kind of adapted it. But that's, yeah. But that's a, that's a perfect example. Great idea. You heard it. Then you applied it. And it's, it's become part of your culture. But mm-hmm. it happened because because you had a system for personal growth. Yep. You know, and, you know, that is powerful. And, the- you know, and of course, you have a, a system for like we were talking about earlier, listening. You're feeding that in our TV 12 minutes a day technique to yourself every day to listen and seek to be understood. Well, of course it happens because, you know, you're programming your subconscious mind to, to do it. Yep. So you got a system. So it you all know, comes down to a system. It really does. And your brain thrives on that. We talk about this all the time. Your brain thrives on order. The yeah. more you can do to create some of these and like take all of the work out of it for your brain, like the more kind of in flow you become. And these things are just happening automatically. And that autopilot's working for you rather than against you. But the mind thrives on order. And so that's what I try to do. As soon as you taught that concept to me several years ago, it's like, okay, how do I create more order in my in my mind? And right. like my stress level, even though I've got lots of balls in the air, right? I mean, 100% manageable because my brain, you know, it looked like my desk is very, like there's order in it. You know, of course you feel order if you're feeding the succinct articulation of your life to yourself each day. <laughs> you know, of course there's order. I have a path. My brain knows exactly where yeah. it needs to focus on every day. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's the beauty of it. Yep. Okay. Well, I think we've covered this topic uh, well enough. So until next time, we'll see you. Thanks for listening today. If you've had your own aha moment from today's episode, send me or John an email. We'd love to share your epiphany with our audience. So email us at kelly at thinkitbeit.com or john at thinkitbeit.com. In the meantime, live the exceptional life.